God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Wow. Well, the walls are starting to cave in on Dr. Fauci, right? Wow. What's going on with Dr. Fauci? So that's a big deal. We're going to be talking about that today. Dr. Fauci. Turns out Rand Paul was right. Fire Fauci. It turns out that Fauci... Man, the way they're the way the walls are coming in on Fauci is something else. Uh, I didn't see it going quite like this, and the amount of infiltration with China and the the globalists is just uncanny, and they're all starting to crumble, aren't they? Like Bill Gates, his brand has gone from. You know, likable to, I mean, I don't know when he was really likable. I haven't liked him in decades. But I remember, you know, back in the 90s, I thought Windows was the was great. I thought that Bill Gates was a nerd. All of a sudden, he's something out of a spy novel where he's the most evil player, right? He's that straight guy villain, you know, that... Uh, engages in genocide. We're going to probably start to hear more and more <clears throat> about vaccines. So far, everybody I know that's taken a vaccine has had a decent experience, an expected experience. But I hear these horror stories. I haven't seen much evidence of it, but I hear horror stories about the vaccines I hear about magnets on people's arms and <laughs> a whole host of different things. But, um, you know, and in some cases, you know, we got to be careful about these magnets on arms and things like that. We have to be careful. We want to be correct. We want to be right. Just like the AZ audit. You know, you haven't heard me talk that much about the future of the AZ audit and what's going to happen. 
But it turns out that Sidney Powell and Jenna Ellis are going at it. They're divided. They were once on the same team, but now they're... And they weren't really on the same team, were they? Jenna Ellis and Rudy Giuliani wrote a letter saying Sidney Powell wasn't part of their, um, you know, their team. And you wonder why they did that. But now, you know, uh, they're basically saying Trump's going to be back in office by July or August. And, you know, I'm still waiting to hear back from the AZ audit. I think it's very promising that the Pennsylvania delegation went out to Arizona and decided to look over the process and the procedures and see how they're doing things. And it tells you maybe maybe Pennsylvania will do a forensic audit, a manual recount, an inspection of all the ballots in, in so many ways. And cyber ninjas, you know, this group, they're like a non they're they're base, basically doing this on donations and however else they get their money but they could take this and this could be a private cottage industry for that matter election integrity that way the government doesn't really have to get involved except for the legislature and the state green lights the access to the to the data so that's not too bad and then, and then uh, we also heard from Obama. Obama is calling the Biden presidency, in essence, 3.0, Obama 3.0. That, uh, that Biden is successfully finishing the work of Obama because he's using all of Obama's guys and girls. Susan Rice is a girl, and so it's got to be guys and girls. Jake Sullivan. And all these different people are running the show in the deep state, covering up all the crimes that they committed. And for four years during the Trump administration, we couldn't get there. And the reason why was because Obama didn't leave. Obama infiltrated the American government over his eight years. It was a tough pill to swallow, and it was very difficult to to cleanse our government from the corruption and abuse of the Obama administration, which was uh, pretty god-awful. We're, we're, we're finding out and we're experiencing and we're realizing that this was the case, that during the Obama administration, he weaponized the IRS, he weaponized DHS, Okay, you're asking, how? What? He weaponized the IRS targeting conservative groups. He weaponized the Department of Education with regard to trans bathrooms. Said, you'll be defunded if you don't obey my order. He weaponized DHS with sanctuary cities. You'll be defunded if you don't make your city a sanctuary city. And he already had the Kool-Aid drinking libtards that ran those cities agree, agreeing with him ideologically, but they thought it was a political suicide. Well, it turns out that the left wing will vote however the for a liberal no matter what. 
And that's what Obama understood. Obama, some someone from somewhere. I mean, Barry Satoro, Barack Hussein, was he from Kenya, Hawaii? doesn't even matter. He feels like a foreigner. He feels like an American hater. He hates America like Ilhan Omar, a Somalian refugee, hates America. He hates America like Rashid Tlaib hates America or like any other liberal, radical Muslim or radical, liberal, anything. Because no matter how you slice it, the black conservatives I know are all about personal responsibility. The black liberals that I know are all about reparations. They're, they're completely at odds with each other. And they're the same skin color. It's not about skin color. It's not about race or ethnicity. But to listen to Joe Biden talk, he would like to tell us that all white men are bad and racist. And that there should be reparations. In California, they're already going to be putting together a commission. We know how those commissions go. Everybody on the commission thinks just like the person that hired the commission. It's how we got Fauci. It's this groupthink liberalism. It's how you get, and again, I said this earlier in the week, 90, or last week, whatever it was, but it's 90 How do you get 90% of the universities all liberal? How do you get 90% of all the mainstream media and the television and the uh, Hollywood? How do you get all of those to be 90% liberal? And if you come out Republican, you don't get hired. If you're a journalist, you don't get the front page. If you're a student, you don't get an A grade with your professor. And you don't even get a chance to speak if you're a speaker. You get a pie thrown in your face. So there's all this discrimination on campus. And again, it's these radical, liberal, intellectual, liberal, uh, liberal idea, radical, liberal idealists. And basically they are, they're getting in the way of free thinking and, and honest debate, fair and balanced debate. What is an election? But it's really the byproduct of a debate. So they rigged the election because they're not winning the argument. They rig it. But things are happening that are so positive right now. The states are getting, are because the states see what's going on, right? And the states didn't have a lot to do with the election rigging on the federal level. This was Obama's government. Again, Obama, you know, rigged all of these different departments. He rigged the Pentagon, got them to be all liberal at the top brass. He he rigged the State Department and the National Security Council. And he, he engaged all the think tankers and lobbyists in Washington to push policy and to, uh, to get corporate approval. Because he understood that public policy depends on private sector corporation, corporate sponsorship. Not just with money, but with action. 
like we talked about yesterday, we talked about the Spanish, you know, influence, like on when you call, press one if you speak Spanish. Well, that's, you know, or when you look down at these city bikes, these bikes that you can rent and swap your card, every one of those bikes I was noticing had Spanish written on them. And I'm like, what country am I living in? I'm living in Arlington, Virginia, inside the Beltway within D.C. And it seems like everything is equally Spanish. I'm not even along the border in El Paso with Beto O'Rourke as my neighbor. I mean, I'm not even there. I can understand if I was there, maybe, just north of the border of Tijuana in California. I, yeah, I get it. But I don't quite get, I'm in the D.C. and everything is also Spanish. It's like this thing where the corporations were really making an educated decision and deciding, you know, uh, we need to help out this policy. It increases our numbers. The more people we get into our country, I guess, the better for business. Maybe that's their philosophy. I certainly know that that was the case. That was the uh, critical thinking that went behind social media, wanting more and more people to access the Internet and get on the grid. But even they're starting to get exposed. It turns out that we're going to learn today that Facebook had integration with Fauci. Facebook had integration with the election fraud and buying election officials. They spent $400 million. They could have easily spent more, but that's all they needed. However much money you need to rig an election. But what I like about the states, and again, so this is Obama's world that we're living in again. This is what we would have had four years ago, but Trump came in and delayed everything. And I think did a lot of great things for America. And America saw got a dose of what a real patriotic president looks like and realized this is who we want. We want, you know, Babe Ruth to be our Major League Baseball ambassador for good or for bad. You know, all the shortcomings, that's our president, though. That's our boy. We liked it. We liked that he was a little bit of a caricature. We liked it that he was gregarious and charismatic. We liked it. I don't know what you would call Joe Biden. As soon as he goes off script, he puts his foot in his mouth every single time. We have tape to prove it. And he talks in platitudes, and he, he, he stokes the flames of racial division. You should read the comments that are going on online. It's just unbelievable. There's a lot of talk about Biden you know, wanting to start a race war. Why? Racial divide. Why? Why is he doing that? You know, and he's doing it on purpose. So it says, is it me or is Zucchini, King Zucchini brain trying to start a race war? Or I love how Joe Biden is suddenly discovering his outrage that there were members of the KKK in Congress one of him, one of them was his good buddy, Senator Robert Byrd, Democrat from West Virginia. 
And exactly, he's been trying to rewrite history along with the adoring media. If you don't know Joe Biden is one of the biggest racists in Washington, D.C., history, then you don't know Joe Biden. And Cynthia Barnes writes, he wants to punish one race for the sins of the past, but you can't fix the sins of the past by being racist towards another race today. Of course, you can't have, um, you know, and I thought it was really funny uh, when this guy named Kendi, uh, some sort of a pseudo-intellectual black leader uh, that was asked to define racism. And um, what was funny is he defined it, and Ben Shapiro really called him out on it. And basically Ben Shapiro said, that's funny, you know, you can't, you can't, define any definition with the word in it is by definition not a definition you know it was actually really kind of funny funny stuff that he would do that so where do we start today we're going to start with um that particular clip if i can find it oh right here <clears throat> so let's um we're going to get into a lot of Fauci today. Fauci's going to be the main thing. We're, we're, we're going to get warmed up with this guy named Kendi because yesterday it was Biden in Tulsa, I believe it was, speaking, you know, just basically, there's no white male alive that would ever be such a racist and, and bash white males the way Biden is doing if it wasn't for the fact that he was a puppet of a race-baiting half-Negro uh, like Barack Hussein Obama. Okay? So the idea is, is that I don't know where Obama's really from, but what I will say is that he is hardly an Amer- African-American. He hates America. To put America into that word is absurd and so what you have is you have this situation where you have the puppet master pulling the puppet strings because everything that biden is doing has the earmarks of barry satoro barack hussein obama but let's listen to this thinker uh this intellect named um kendi who basically can barely define what racism is and he's supposed to be some racist scholar and we'll we'll get there in a second defining racism but i but i unless i missed it which is possible i don't i didn't hear your personal definition is there is there one that you would offer us like how do you define racism sure so racism i would define it um as a collection Uh, of racist policies that lead to racial inequity that are substantiated by racist ideas. All right, racist policies, racial inequity, and racial ideas. Again, he's defining the word racism. How do you define the word racism with that in there? How do you define that? Where you use the same word three times in the first sentence. Listen again. You talked about the importance of defining racism, 
but I, but I, unless I missed it, which is possible, I don't. I didn't hear your personal definition. Is there is there one that you would offer us? Like, how do you define racism? Sure. So racism, I would define it um, as a collection uh, of racist policies that lead to racial inequity that are substantiated by racist ideas. <laughs> Sure, a a collection uh, of racist policies that lead to racial inequity that are substantiated by racist ideas. And anti-racism is pretty simple using the same terms. Anti-racism is a collection of anti-racist policies leading to racial, anybody want to take a guess? Equity that are substantiated by anti-racist ideas. And he goes on to say that reparations is a, a good example of anti-racist policies. So basically, if you give me money from your skin color to mine, that's anti-racism. So Ben Shapiro writes, truly incredible how many left-wing definitions follow this pattern. Defined woman. A woman is a person who identifies as a woman. Hmm. That, that would be a bad example, but that's the way the Democrats do it. Please define racism. Racism is when X is a racist and also Y is a racist as substantiated by Z being racist. Note, any definition that includes in the... In it, the word-seeking definition is not a definition. See, it's the Democrats that are race-baiting, which is racist. It's the Democrats that are engaged in Title IX, which is gender bias. Uh, It's the Democrats, and they call these anti-whatever, right? Anti-racism, anti-gender bias. Um, But you... As soon as you try to correct one problem with the same method, you're you're going down this slippery slope. I loved it when um, Amy Wax, one of my favorite thinkers, um, said, "The trick is, you know, when she used this parable of the paraplegic. Uh, basically, uh, the paraplegic was was struck by a truck and got all kinds of money from insurance." But unless they worked really hard on their own, morning, noon, and night, not under the guise of a camera or spotlight, uh, unless they worked really hard, they'd never walk again. And what she was saying in 2005 is she was basically saying that that the problem with uh, black poverty in America and black struggle isn't that is is one they have to fix from within. And Denzel Washington recently came out uh, with this clip that was basically uh, related to a Thomas Sowell clip. And uh, big big I'm a big fan of Thomas Sowell. Um, and Thomas Sowell basically uh, had Denzel Washington's clip. He says. We got we to gotta look at our own home first, you know, just like we do here in America, just like Trump was saying. Before we're going to give money to countries that hate us, 
or organizations that hate us or groups that hate us, whether it's the Palestinians or the El Salvadorians or or the Colombians or, or Honduras. If they're not going to help us, if we're not going to get anything in return and all they're going to do is make our lives more difficult, then we need to actually just take away the funding. And it's so simple. Trump made light work out of a lot of the problems that the globalists tend to create. And the reason why is because the globalists are creating these problems because they have a more complex scheme that's going on. And that's why these problems are so complex. If they were just to be honest with you and say, we're going to go ahead and help this group country, we're going to help these people, and we're going to do these things, and we're just going to keep it simple, that would be great. But we got these leaders that are, that are so twisted with their ideology and, and agenda that you know there's a, there's a big problem with all of that. And that we have to fix. And we shall fix it. So the Bradford File writes, America does not have a white supremacy problem. America has a lying white liberals problem. Joel Pollack writes, I love how Joe Biden is suddenly discovering his outrage that there were members of the KKK in Congress. Uh, Edward Snowden, it's not related, but he says, I've been working from home since Obama, the Obama administration. Cat Turd writes, if you don't know Joe Biden is one of the biggest races in D.C. history, then you don't know Joe Biden. Now, here's what Joe Biden had to say. Biden, terrorism from white supremacy is the most lethal threat to the homeland. Let's take a listen. The joint session of Congress, according to the intelligence community, intelligence terrorism from white supremacy is the most lethal threat to the homeland today. Not ISIS, not Al-Qaeda, white supremacists. Now, you know, here's, here's the kicker. The biggest racist in D.C. history is Joe Biden. Remember all the remarks he made through the years. And yet he stands there because in the wake of January 6th insurrection, which has been completely debunked with new video that's come out. There's a video that came out yesterday uh, on Gateway Pundit, newer than the one from last week. And it is so clear that the Capitol Police were taking selfies with the, with uh, taking pictures with the, the the people that were walking through people were walking through around these statues they weren't knocking the statues down they were honoring the statues they were waving the flags they were singing patriotic songs they were cleaning up the bathroom they picked up a a trash can that fell over and put the trash back in it they were not doing what antifa and the marxist group black lives matter do they were not doing that. They were doing all the right things. Charlie Kirk writes, if you have a whole month dedicated to promoting and celebrating your lifestyle, maybe it's like Black History Month, you are not oppressed in America. Now we're going to switch gears a little bit. That's the, that's, that's the um, Joe Biden thing. Now, there is another clip of Joe Biden that I could have played. I uh, don't have it handy. But 
he uh, he really went off the deep end. It was almost like he was reading from the Obama playbook, right? The race baiting, racial division, divide and conquer playbook. All right, so we're going to switch gears. We're going to get to um, COVID and the AZ audit. Uh, the AZ audit, like I said yesterday, they have three uh, shifts going. They they went from 28 lots to 15 in just a week. So that means that, you know, that's about 13 lots. So they have 15 left. So I would say 10 days, two weeks. I think we're going to know sooner than I thought. I thought that we were going to know before or sometime around Independence Day, uh, July 4th. I think it's going to be sooner than that. I think it's going to be probably we'll know a lot in the around the, the, the third week, second or third week in June. And what that reveals will mean a lot. What are the tea leaves? The tea leaves are Pennsylvania is going out there and spending a lot of money with the delegation to go over the techniques and how-tos to do it. Georgia is looking at ramping up a another investigation of the election. And there's a lot of people that are stepping away from defending that because I think that they're busted. They're busted like Fauci. There was a FOIA request for Fauci that gave, uh, revealed these emails that are just going to be, they're going to ruin Fauci. Patricia Flanagan, uh, she wrote this, breaking, I just received information on an RN who worked on the ground in New York City during COVID peak uh, onset, who personally was told to send illegal residents testing positive to hotels and patients with insurance to nursing homes. Why would New York patients be triagged that way? Stay tuned. And then she added an update. and She said, my source is sharing bold details. Stand by full exclusive short uh, story shortly. So it's kind of an interesting thing. But um, and I'm just going through this really quick because uh, (laughs) I. Um, well, that's the, okay. Now we're not going to get that. Um, COVID didn't cause Democrat politicians to become dictators. It provided the opportunity for their power, hunger, lust for control and hatred of freedom and to manifest when liberals show you who they are, believe them. All right. Well, this is Trisha Flanagan. She hasn't come out with the fine, uh, the follow up to that report yet. I was wondering about that because this I posted yesterday. Um, And I was wondering if there was an update. All right. And then uh, one of the other subjects we're going to be covering today is uh, women's sports and what Governor DeSantis did. Governor DeSantis signed State Bill 1028 banning biological males from competing in women's sports. Okay, so that's great news. We have a couple of Tucker clips. Uh, Tucker interviewed, uh, not only did he interview uh, DeSantis on that issue, he also interviewed uh, uh, um, Christy Nome. 
who didn't have the spine that DeSantis does. So anybody questioning DeSantis and not questioning Christy Noem and what she was not able to do, uh, I, I think is you know needs to take a, another look. We're going to play two different clips related to that here in a second. And then we're going to get to uh, more information about the AZ audit, but mostly it's, it, we're going to be talking about Fauci. So Maricopa, Arizona audit said on Wednesday, a PA delegation consisting of state Senator Doug Mastriano, state Senator Chris Dutch and state representative Rob Kaufman will visit the Arizona Capitol to meet with members of the Arizona legislature and then tour the AZ audit to receive a brief from the forensic audit team. That to me sounds quite promising. And, um, And then here, we're going to go ahead and uh, read this one. Hiring a person for a job or accepting them to a college based on their skin color is racist. The government requiring it is mandated systematic racism. The affirmative That's affirmative action. Patrick Halley writes, coronavirus was a worldwide wealth grab by the elites. And by the way, there is this thing called, called uh, biflation that's going on where it's inordinately impacting negatively gas, beef, um, uh, lumber, milk, eggs, all these things that are associated with the Green New Deal. But when it comes to, um, when it comes to others, so but what is biflation? Biflation, I had to look it up myself. Biflation is where you have inflation in one sector of the economy and deflation in another. Now, economists can actually do that, manipulate. And wouldn't that be something if we found out that green uh, initiatives were being played out to go after beef and eggs and lumber and all these other things that green uh, initiatives are against. And, And that would be another play that we have to keep an eye on. Because we have a government right now that's infiltrated, that's going against us. And that is a cause for great concern. The Bradford File writes, Dr. Fauci couldn't have destroyed millions of healthy American lives without the media helping him. That's another, you know, interesting little addition that you would want. So, um, we're going to go ahead and play these two Tucker clips related to to uh, women's sports, and then we're going to get to Fauci. I apologize. It sounds like I'm a little bit all over the place, but I'm really not. I just, uh, you know, uh, have things that are in a, in, in a certain order. All right, so we're going to take a listen to Tucker Carlson, um, and basically he is going to uh, be talking about uh, this Florida State Bill and the pressures that came to him from the NCAA. Today, the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, signed a bill protecting women and girls in the state from having to compete with biological men on the athletic field. He made the announcement on stage with student-athletes from a Jacksonville school called Trinity Christian Academy. At the event, an athlete who's been on this show, Selena Soul, spoke about her experience. Listen. 
it's very frustrating and demoralizing because it's not fair being forced to compete against somebody who is biologically male because no matter what, you will never be able to beat them. And I've raced against these athletes over a dozen times, and every single time I lost by a significant margin. They have a great advantage over us in terms of um, skeletal system and muscle uh, mass, but in t uh, times in the 100 meter dash, they would finish, and us girls were still at the 80 meter mark. It's not, I mean, it's not a close race at all. I mean, it, it goes with science that males have a great physical advantage over females, and saying that science isn't a factor in this issue is, is wrong. Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida joins us tonight. Governor, thanks so much for coming on. We've seen bills like this in a bunch of different states come before Republican governors who who don't sign them because they came under corporate pressure not to sign them. How much corporate pressure did you come under not to sign this bill? Well, it's interesting, Tucker. I think as these bills were going through various legislatures, I remember the NCAA put out a statement saying any state that enacts this, we're not going to hold events there. And so I called the Speaker of the House in Florida and I said, did you hear what they said? And he's like, yeah, I said, we definitely got to get this done. You can't be cowed by these organizations or particularly by woke corporations uh, from doing the right thing. And so my view was throughout this whole time, we have to protect our girls. It is discriminatory to force them to compete against biological males. And so if the price of having a tournament is that I have to deny equal opportunity to hundreds of thousands of young girl and women athletes throughout Florida, uh, I am much more uh, willing to stand with the girls and to hell with these events. I, I think it's a, really a great point. And you listen to the athletes and it's, you know, they're at the 80 meter mark when the race is already won and they're the top female runners in the state. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Do you expect that- And Selena made the point today Please, Selena made the point today. She missed uh, New England regionals by two places. And those two places ahead of her were biological males. So she did everything that she could. She put herself in the position. And had they had fair competition, she would have advanced. She could have advanced in her career. Some of the, a lot of these women are going to have opportunities to play in college. Some of them get college scholarships. But even short of yeah. that, this is, these are enjoyable experiences they'll remember for the rest of their lives. And just think how you feel to basically get cheated out of a victory so unfair we, and we shouldn't we shouldn't tolerate it you haven't do you expect to be punished and do you expect your state to be punished for this no actually i don't think so uh, tucker because i think what what i think we've shown not just with this but you know, we did a strong election integrity bill in florida actually stronger than georgia and we just made it clear we're standing with our folks we're going to do the right thing uh, and so if corporations want to come in and try to bully us around, they are going to go nowhere. It's going to be like hitting their head against a brick wall. The result has been we've had very little uh, to do with that elections bill. And I don't think we're going to have very much to do at this point here because we leaned into it and we stood strong. Yeah. If they know they can't push you around, they don't even try. That's, that's leadership right there. That's exactly what you do in the schoolyard. You stand up for yourself. Uh, that's what you would do in prison, I guess. I've seen enough movies to know. Uh, but um, uh, let's take a listen to Christy Nome's version of this. It's particularly unpopular in the state of South Dakota. South Dakota is one of the most Republican states in the country. Republicans essentially control the entire state. So Republicans in the legislature there recently passed a bill to prevent this from happening, to prevent biological men from playing on women's sports teams. 
And the governor of South Dakota, Kristi Noem, who you doubtless have seen, said she was, quote, excited to sign it. Now she has changed her mind. Governor Noem joins us tonight to explain why she has. Governor, thanks so much for coming on. I, I appreciate it. So he, here you, you have this bill, which I think all polling shows is popular in your state. I think it would be popular nationally. You said you were excited to sign it. Big business intercedes NCAA, Chamber of Commerce, and Amazon and tell you not to sign it and you change your mind. If you, I think a lot of our viewers are, are wondering your thinking on this and how exactly this happened. Well, that's not true, Tucker, and thank you for inviting me to be on the show tonight. Of course. I could sign the bill the way that it is today, uh, and then also, uh, but it wouldn't solve the problem, and, and that's the real issue. As I looked at the bill and examined it, and have been discussing with legal scholars for many months on how to protect women's sports, this bill would only allow the NCAA to bully South Dakota, and it would actually prevent women from being able to, pr to participate in collegiate sports. So what I've done is I've asked the legislature through a style uh, and reform I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but just for our viewers, I'm, I'm so sorry. Can you just back up for one sec? For our viewers who haven't followed this as closely, how would this bill prevent women mm -hmm. from playing in South Dakota, if you would? Because what it would do is it would put a law in the books that would allow the NCAA to take punitive action against our state. And we're a small state, Tucker. Uh, we've had to fight hard to get any tournaments to come to South Dakota. When they took punitive action against us, we would have to litigate. And legal scholars that I have been consulting with for many, many months say that I would very likely lose those litigation efforts. And I don't think oh, that so families you're saying, in so South hold on, Dakota, just to be clear, it's not the bill. That you're saying have to sue that many times over and over again. But wait, wait, wait. So you're saying the NCAA threatened you and you don't think you can win that fight. They said if you sign this, we won't allow girls in South Dakota to play. And you don't think you sh can win in court, even though the public overwhelmingly supports you nationally. And so you're caving to the NCAA. I think that's what you're saying. No, that's not right at all, Tucker. In fact, you're wrong completely. Okay. I've been working on this issue for years. In fact, several years ago, I fought, I fought USDA to make sure that 4-H rodeo and that the sport of rodeo could keep girls' events, girls' events, and boys' events, boys' events. So I've been working on this for many, many years. And back since November, I've been consulting with legal scholars and professors across the country, asking them, how do I protect women's sports? And they've gone through the steps to how I would legally challenge the NCAA and keep them from bullying the state of South Dakota. And what they've told me to do is that I need to build a... What they told me to do. You know, I'm going to quote a, an athletic company or a sport, sporting goods company that I will never wear. Uh, I boycott Nike, but they have the phrase, just do it. DeSantis just did it. He did it. And he, he, he saw what was right, saw what was wrong, and did it. He did it. And he he's going to thrive as a result of it. See, that's the thing about Trump. Trump just goes and looks at it and says, this is right, this is wrong, it's an easy decision, let's just do it. You know, there's, you don't, you don't, don't overthink it. As soon as you get the lawyers involved and you talk about all the weighing everything, just follow your gut. What's right? What's wrong? The problem we have in our country is we, we calculate everything to the finest detail and we, make, we torture subjects that are so easy because we're placating to all sides when we know that 
this whole transvestite thing in in women's sports is ridiculous and stupid in so many levels. And I mean, I totally object to like the State Department putting up the rainbow flag. Look, I have friends that are, that are, that are gay. Uh, I have no problem with homosexuality. I lived in New York in a in a you know fairly gay neighborhood. Never had an issue with homosexuality, race. I'm a minority myself. It's not even a big deal. It's just don't even look. I don't see skin color. I don't see, you know, if, if someone wants to have a sexual persuasion, keep it in your bedroom. I don't need to know. It's not my business. And that's the whole thing about these things. I actually am still under the belief, I guess it's Gay Pride Month this month. I, I'm still under the belief that that homosexuality I, I don't think it is. I don't think it's settled science. Let's put it this way. That people are born that way. I, I don't think it's settled science. I'm not saying I know best. I'm not saying it is or it isn't. Because I don't know. I'm not a scientist. But I've heard, I've seen um, val- valid arguments on both ends. And I'm not going to discount one over the other. But what I am going to say is I tend to believe my belief and my limited knowledge on this subject is that uh, it's a choice. It's a learned behavior. It's a social um, behavior. Now, I imagine, you know, if I were to have a debate with an expert that was advocating for you're born this way, I'd probably lose that debate because I don't have enough, uh, I don't have enough, I don't know enough about the subject. Um, But what I would say is my own gut belief is that it's a learned social behavior. Transvestites, I feel sorry for a lot of them because a lot of these people that are doing it so young in their lives, it's sort of like getting the worst tattoo. Maybe it's the best tattoo for them. But in a lot of cases, it's the worst tattoo that you could ever get. You know, some big bold thing on your chest and down your arms and across your fingertips. And next thing you know, you're 30 years later looking for a job and, you know, it's just a horrible situation. And you just feel for these people. What's going on? And uh, my heart goes out to them. I care about all people, um, including transvestites. I, I just want them that, you know, I just want the best for them. But where the where I draw the line is the government doesn't need to get involved with these things. They're not they weren't born that way. So they're subscribing to engage in a lifestyle that's rejected by the country social norms that they live in. And they made that calculated choice. So there it is. It's not rocket science. They made the choice knowing exactly what the what the uh, circumstances would bring in terms of, you know, if I were to, you know, dye my hair purple and get a mohawk and then put like 15 piercings in my face, I'm allowed to do that as an American. But I should not then complain that I was discriminated against when I go looking for a job. 
And I sit down and the person that's going to say yes or no to me getting a job decides I'm not the right candidate. Maybe it's because I have 15 piercings in my face and my hair is purple and it's a mohawk. I don't know. I mean, you know, it's just... I believe that these things were done after birth. And they were social, they were learned, they were adopted. And in our country, the greatest country in the world, we're allowed to do that, and that's wonderful. So let's get to Fauci really quick. It says, I do not recommend that you wear a mask. Fauci tells a woman face masks do not protect against COVID. This is a Fauci email. And he writes to a woman named Sylvia. So uh, that's, that's one right there. But then there's others. There's worse. Caught top WHO official thanks Dr. Fauci in email in April 2020. Huh. Let me read that again. Top World Health Organization official Thanks, Dr. Fauci, in email in April 2020, basically when this all started, for insisting that COVID-19 was naturally occurring when both men knew this was a lie. And by the way, Fauci doubled down on that with Rand Paul just last month in his exchange there. For over a year now, the Gateway Pundit has been reporting evidence that the COVID-19 virus originated in Wuhan, China library, laboratory. Our first report was back in April 9, 2020. It's not like we didn't know about this stuff. We were getting banned off of social media for saying it, though. As early as 2018, U.S. State Department officials warned about safety risks at Wuhan. U.S. officials made several trips to the Wuhan laboratory as a result. Despite the warnings, the U.S. National Institute, NIH, under Dr. Fauci, awarded $3.7 million grant to the Wuhan lab studying the bat virus. This was after State Department warned about the risky tests going on in the lab. The deadly China coronavirus that started in China sometime in late 2019 has now circled the globe. Evidence suggests that the coronavirus didn't come naturally. We still don't know whether the deadly virus was leaked intentionally or if it, it was an accident. And yet, as recently as February 9, 2021, the WHO has denied the coronavirus leaked from a lab in Wuhan. They're denying it. They, they say they don't know. But a video has surfaced from December 2019 of WHO Peter, Peter Daszak admitting to, coronavi- to coronavirus manipulation at the Wuhan lab before the pandemic was announced. And he was basically, we played that clip for you already uh, uh, at another day, where he said those coronaviruses are easily manipulated. So they knew about this. But the email says this, Thank you for your public comments. And this is from David Morins, or to David Morins, from Peter Daszak. As the PI 
of the R01 grant publicly targeted by Fox News reporters at the presidential press briefing last night. I was just wanted to say a personal thank you on behalf of our staff and collaborators for publicly standing up and stating that the scientific evidence supports a natural origin for COVID-19. From a bat to human spillover, not a lab release from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. How do you like that? From my perspective, your comments are brave and coming coming from your trusted voice will help dispel the myths being spun around the virus origins. Once this pandemic's over, I look forward to thanking you in person and let you know how important your comments are to all of us. And that's Peter Daszak. Daszak. So, but they knew. See, the proof is they knew. And Peter Daszak is on video saying, yeah, of course, these things could be manipulated. The other telltale sign is normally it's, it's within four to five months. They usually find out what the host animal was. Four to five months is typical, standard procedure. And they know where these uh, viruses came from. There's so many more uh, emails and letters uh, there's people that were bashing Trump, writing letters to Fauci, Fauci, and Fauci would say, thank you for your kind words. All these different things that he was doing uh, in the name of politics and in, in the name of cover-up. And so Fauci, the guy who actually greenlighted the funding to Daszak, who financed the Wuhan laboratory, who admits that these, this virus was easily manipulated by man, uh, and they can't prove how it was released from Wuhan, but they know that it was not natural. They knew that. They knew that this was gain-of-function stuff. And yet still, they perpetrated this lie all the way up until today. But these emails that were received, Washington Post and BuzzFeed reported, printed thousands of these and was the first to release them they're now out in the public as of the last 24 hours and we're going through them with a fine-tooth comb. But it's big news, folks. It's big news because it's going to tell the story. It's basically going to you know, reveal who Fauci really is. And I think that's absolutely important because I think he's behind it all. He was behind the cover-up, the politics, and the exploitation. Well, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And uh, stay tuned uh, uh, Stay tuned for the podcast over at scottadamshow.com. Also, be sure to check out our nonprofit uh, mission over at buglecall.org and magapack.org and find out and see what we're doing. And with that, we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye now. And grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to their knees.